right, y'all. Welcome back to the Eat, Drink, Travel, Y'all podcast. I am your host, Steph Four, and I cannot believe we are in week 13, going into four months of this podcast. Today, I am so excited to have my good friend, Chef Quentin Stewart. Quentin, thank you for being here. Hey, Steph. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, always, always good to see you. Um, sitting, sitting right now in the beautiful uh, State Hotel in downtown Seattle, where you are the chef at the restaurant downstairs. Yeah. Um, ben Paris, one of my favorite places, as you know. And we are packed. <laughs> yeah. Totally packed. Yeah, a, a bit of positive news for everyone. I just was sitting in the lobby waiting for Quentin, and I must have seen ten to fifteen people check in in like 30 minutes um you yeah it's busy right it's, yeah it's a it's a totally new feeling it feels like pre-pandemic it's uh pretty amazing to see a lot of people from all over the country yeah. traveling now yeah uh, had some guests check in from alabama come <laughs> say hello to us and love it yeah so we're excited to have everyone and to feed everyone of course so uh, things are going really good. Yeah, well, and for feels, those... feels like we made it. Yeah, you know? definitely. Well, and y'all are still... There's still a lot of restaurants downtown that have not reopened or either didn't make it through the pandemic. So, yeah. um, you know, and like you've been telling me the past few times I've visited you guys, you, you, you're you just like blown out busy now. Yeah, and um, we, we're still turning away more business than... than I've ever seen any restaurant turn away is, is kind of unbelievable. We, um, we are still having such an issue with staffing at this point that we can't fully reopen yet. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, that's obviously a problem across the board for the hospitality industry, not just in restaurants, but I've, you know, in, in wineries, you know, just finding people <laughs> to run this stuff. Like it's, yeah, our, our suppliers are even, telling us that uh, like we can't get our wine shipment in because it's been at port in Oakland for the last two weeks and there's no one to unload the boats. God. Yeah. So, so it's just a lot of layers to it. Yeah. It's like really complicated, but there's a total ripple effect. Yeah. And on. like we're having this, this boom of people wanting to travel, wanting to go out to eat, wanting to have experiences that they haven't been able to have for a year and a half. So that like compounded with, the yeah. shortage of, of professionals in the industry is it's, yeah. it's it feels like we might never sort of return to our, our old business model. I mean, right now we're kind of um, we're still pretty streamlined. Uh, we're offering, you know, our best um, and, and trying to take as many people as we can and offer as much as we can. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's like, man it it makes a lot of sense when you think about places that sort of like just do fried chicken mm -hmm. and they and like a few sides mm -hmm. and that's like the whole concept for the place because um yeah we're gonna probably never be able to offer as many different kinds of things as we used to yeah we used to have this huge menu that was just labor intensive right total yeah, yeah uh labor cost but wanted to please everyone and and wanting to be able to offer lots of different kinds of things because you have 
the tourism mm -hmm. industry here, but we also want chefs to come in and think it's cool. Yeah. And uh, we also want our neighborhood uh, regulars to be here week after week. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, we're, uh, again, sort of trying to do our best to keep up with it. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just packed. Yeah. Well, that's great. <laughs> and I good. mean, it's, I think it's a, an important moment for the industry because I think we are, you know, this, you know, this is an opportunity to change like restaurant culture and create a better quality of life for people, um, that have been maybe overworked in the service industry. And now, uh, that, that we are kind of seeing a shift in that. And this is kind of, you know, people have had a year either outside of the industry to do mm -hmm. something else and reevaluate if they want to work, you know, until two o'clock in the morning or. <laughs> and, and a lot of people just won't. And that's, um, you know, a totally understandable. I think there are a lot of people who worked in front and back of house, um, or we like to say kitchen and dining room, um, in restaurants. Um, who probably just kept doing it because that's what they're already doing. Mm -hmm. um, and they've had a chance to spend the last year training on uh, going back to nursing school right. or uh, cutting hair or whatever the case may be, or getting some more education and finding a new trade. Yep. Um, and good for them. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, and, but, you know, we kind of thought one day um, we're going to open the doors again all, all the staff's going to come back in. We're all going to high five, have a big party. And it's going to be like, yay, the pandemic's over. But it's in, instead it's like week after week, we kind of expect like more people to start showing up and applying. Mm -hmm. Um, especially knowing that a lot of restaurants won't reopen. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it's, it just hasn't really been the case. It's, um, sort of just like a waiting game thinking like, when are all the staff going to yeah. come back? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a great time for startups though. I know a lot of uh, people kind of had the time finally to try and figure out how to start their own thing. Yeah. Their own small thing, the real estate market, of course, the commercial real estate has just been, you know, totally flipped upside down. Yeah. There's a lot of so places downtown Seattle to put a restaurant right now. If you want to yeah, fully built out restaurants. Yeah. Just like yeah. Waiting. Turnkey. <laughs> Empty. Yeah. Um, so that's a positive thing. I think, um, a lot of really cool creative things have happened in the mm -hmm. past year that we year and a half that we would have never, um, I, I guess I should say we're kind of born out of the, the pandemic, which mm -hmm. is cool. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so looking forward to seeing how things kind of uh, pan out of, over the next year or yeah. couple of years. Yeah, it's going to um, be really interesting to see everything coming back and just, yeah, the, I think there will be a shift in, in the the way that, that people work, the amount that they work in the industry, um, yeah. giving people a healthier lifestyle. I mean, you're, you're in a great, you're in a great place and a great culture here at, at Ben Paris and y'all have a great team, I know. Yeah. Um, the, of course we're like, our staff is so valuable to us and, um, the, the company has treated us really well. Um, the fact that we are even allowed to still come in and still be here and try and, uh, finish what we started and sort of a thing and, um, keep, keep the dream yeah. going, yeah. um, is, 
is a really cool thing. I'm grateful for that. Yeah, because you've been you guys have been pretty much open the whole time. You would you did takeout, you did you, you did in room dining at the at the you could get you could get takeout <laughs> uh, yeah. just in your room, get a hotel room and eat. You could do like the you guys have That's you right. guys have been pivot we pivot here, pivot. <laughs> the tasting menus on the rooftop. Yeah. So we were trying to still kind of feel like we were able to do the the part that we like the yeah. most, of course. Taking care of me. people and that spot. Yeah, yeah, y'all are so hospitable and <laughs> It was, yeah, you guys, I, I've gotten to the word, I've gotten to the point where I hate the word pivot, but you guys really, you were created the cocktail kits. Um, yeah. Yeah. But there were just, I mean, challenges that one would never expect, you know, I wanted to become a chef and I was like, even as a teenager, um, and you know, it's going to be hard, um, uh, but I definitely faced challenges with, you know, personal challenges with uh staff who who took things like really hard and and the pressure and the anxiety sort of manifest manifests itself in different ways for people mm -hmm. um so as a leader going through something that's is totally unpredictable um it has been a, a huge challenge that no one ever would have expected and um the you know from being able to look at second Avenue right in front of our hotel, there's marches happening. The streets are shut down. There's like cop cars burning mm -hmm. a block away from us and people looting the stores like all around us. I mean, there were days where we had to close. We, we couldn't even do carry out, but we stayed here um, just in case the few people that were in the hotel wanted something to eat because like every it was like a war zone it, no there literally was literally outside no and yeah i remember and there was nothing open i mean yeah it was yeah desolate i mean we lived at this time like two blocks down from you guys mm -hmm. and i remember yeah being able to see the marches from the windows and target being boarded up forever yeah just but all yeah it was it was intense um so there were times where we sat in the restaurant just because, I mean, there was a curfew and we didn't really have anything better to do except for kind of check out what was happening. Um, but we also felt like if we didn't just sit in the dining room and wait it out, that people might break in and steal all our liquor. Yeah. Um, so well, we never had a real did you, problem. You didn't? Did you guys? Like did, you had to board it up. I'm sure At it was boarded up. Yeah. Because yeah. of those huge windows. To protect people the windows. Definitely would have busted in and yeah, yeah but i mean we felt like if we just kind of wait and sit in here no one's no one's like really looking for any kind of conflict or yeah. just looking for something easy yeah um, opportunity yeah so yeah it yeah was, it was i remember <laughs> never the, would have thought that, remember yeah. the video of the girl did you see uh, when they were all the what they're going to call it protesting looting was going on and, and and a girl walks out of the cheesecake factory which is like she gets a full cheesecake she was like like that's the cop cars are on fire around yeah. and, and this girl's walking out of the cheesecake factory like with, with a hand. whole cheesecake now just like holding it not in a box or anything i'm like she's my hero that's that's what she stopped to get um but before we go on about pandemic covid uh present day let's back up a little bit um you said that you had wanted to be a chef since you were a teenager and i 
I feel like I know you very well, but I do not know your whole story, your journey. So just, yeah, tell us how you, you know, tell us about your love for food and when you decided you, you know, wanted to be a chef and walk us up to, to Ben Paris. Um, she's how far back? Right <laughs> we only have uh, 45 more minutes. So, <laughs> you know, my, uh, my big brother, Chris, shout out to Chris, um, was working at a restaurant and, um, his, his college buddies had started. Um, so I kind of had an opportunity to wash dishes and like hang out with my big brother and his friends. And I was, um, kind of just like, yeah, looking for something to do. Um, how old were you? Oh, I was in, uh, I was still in high school. Mm -hmm. I was 18, 17, 18. So I just, I loved uh, being in the kitchen because, you know, if, if I was fast enough with my dishwashing, the pastry chef would kind of take me under her wing. She'd show me a thing or two. And I was fascinated by how many little tricks and tips there were to everything. I thought it was so interesting. She was like, you take this ice cream scoop and you use it to form cookies onto a tray. And like, this is how you make the, parchment paper like stick to the tray so it doesn't fly everywhere in the convection oven and um i just looked around at the cooks in that restaurant and everyone sort of knew all these um tricks of the trade i just thought it was really fascinating so i wanted to learn a craft i was a uh musician my entire life and oh i didn't know that have like a artistic side (laughs) yeah um but you know the becoming the next david grohl was like probably not in the cards for me (laughs) no you know so um i i wanted to do something artistic um and i i really like to work hard uh so the the creativity aspect is something that i was kind of like chasing after um and i love to eat so yeah, absolutely. It all kind of fit <laughs> for me. Uh, and the, the lifestyle was appealing to me for sure. Um, so I uh, gradually got my way onto the line at that place. Like somebody called out sick or hungover or something. And it mm-hmm. was like, well, can you, can you make these omelets? Like, so I started cooking eggs and um, that's, you know, eventually I, I met some cooks who introduced me to the idea of going to culinary school, um, which this is back in like that whole boom where there was like a lot of people going to culinary school. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there was like a five or 10% graduation rate. It was just, Jesus. do you remember that where there was like art institutes yeah. everywhere? Mm-hmm. I went to an art institute. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember the commercials. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, this was probably like what year? Like you're like in your early twenties. Oh, 2006. Probably. Yeah. Okay. I think we're, I think we're about the same age. Yeah. I don't want to presume. Uh, a- yeah. Um, so it, I, I just sort of thought, well, and where I, are you when you, Oh, I was here and so you were in Seattle. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I sort of thought, you know, I'll go to school and then I'll be a chef after that, you know? Sure. So, um, I, I got an internship out of school, um, at a restaurant called Tilth and oh, Maria Chef Hines, Maria right? Hines, yes. um, James Beard award winning of, to this day. I've never seen a more incredible chef. And really? The crew there was 
insanely talented have all gone on to do really? some really amazing things. Mm-hmm. A really special, special like. I didn't time know that you worked there. That's where you interned at a out of school. Oh, I was pathetic. Stop! Was so I don't bad. believe that. It was so bad. Oh my gosh! Well, oh, I, and they let me know too. You know, <laughs> it was like hard. <laughs> well, I mean, she's like you said, she's one of the best chefs in Seattle, in the country. I mean, she's very, very talented, multi-time award-winning chef. When- I mean, the, the two sous chefs at that time at TILF were Dana Tuff, who went on okay. to become a chef owner of Spur, uh, Spur the Coterie Room. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tavern Law Tavern was Law. a huge success, and they still, I'm like trying Love to figure Spur. out. They're amazing, amazing chefs um, from Spur. And the people that work for Dana, again, came, like, have all gone on to do some really mm-hmm. incredible things. Um, and then Ashley Merriman was a co-sous chef with Dana. And uh, she ended up having a huge impact on my life and, um, like, helped me get through that, how hard it was. Yeah. Um, and supported me. And so that's um, a, a really important part of my story is, like, having a really cool mentor and then realizing at some point like this, the cooking part, is kind of the easy part, the, the human element and, and mentoring and, um, and being a leader. It's mm-hmm. like the, the really cool part yeah. about it all. Cause you can totally impact people's lives. It's not just cooking, you know, a beautiful piece of foie gras for like, you know, Paul Allen and and Bill Gates and people like that. It's like amazing to have gotten a chance to you cook, did those cook for like legendary people that yeah. have done incredible things themselves, and they come in and it's like a huge honor. Um, I've gotten a chance to cook for a, a ton of like really incredible people, but um, the the most important thing is like learning how to um, you know, bring somebody up in a kitchen and. Yeah, making a ton of mistakes and um, you trying to like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, so anyhow, it, it tilt, um Maria had been at in New York and yeah. um, they used to go eat in New York and I was 21. I started like uh, tilt when I was 20, actually. So from age 20, I'm around all these total badasses mm-hmm. that um, are going to New York and dining out and coming back with all these amazing stories. And, um, I think I took my first trip to just to dine in New York. And I was probably 22 or 23, um, on my, you know, minimum wage I was making and mm-hmm. like found a place to crash and spent, um, God, I, I ate at WD 50 and it's heyday. I ate 11 Madison park when like the first EMP cookbook was out. Yeah. Um, insane like we just saved your money up and just i just i mean that's just what you had to do yeah yeah because we didn't even have iphones back then so if you wanted to learn what was going on in places like that you to go there <laughs> it's like you had the book yeah and then you went yeah and if you could get a stage then maybe um but i mean a lot of those places i've tried to go and stage and they're like well you can't just come here for a day or two <laughs> Just because you want to see, like, spy on us. Yeah. Like, if you want a job, you know, okay. But, yeah, I mean, I remember 
I tried to go stage at Empeon um, Cocina. Alex Stupak is an incredible chef. I'm a huge fan of his his work, and um, he like straight up said no. He's like, you can't come in here and see how we do things. <laughs> like, if you want a job, then okay. Um, I mean, that's but reasonable, right? I, it wasn't like you could just go on YouTube yeah, and, yeah. and learn plating techniques. Yeah. You know, you had to try and figure it out yeah, um, yeah. for yourself. So, yeah, our phones and the technology has changed the industry a ton. Hasn't it? God. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have a job. Um. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it, it is, <laughs> though. That's the other side of it, right? Yeah, Because yeah. there's so much cool content out yeah. there. Yeah. And it's amazing. Um, it's overwhelming. But then everyone's like an expert. Too yeah. Because yeah. They, can, they can. You can look something up on YouTube or Wikipedia in five in five minutes. Yeah. There's plenty of people who aren't chefs that have that are way better at making you know content but on their Instagram. Absolutely. Than I, I know, and it's really interesting too to see the difference in like the restaurant chef and like the home chef and the content. And you know, there's there's a different audience. There's so many different audiences. There's an audience for people talking to chefs, talking to home cooks, talking to the novice. Um, That's interesting. You know? Yeah. Cause I don't think about it from, I think about it from a chef's perspective. Yeah. Like if I see content that I feel like is just ripping somebody off, mm-hmm. I'm like, as a chef, I feel like this is, I don't know, boring. Yeah. It's, but there's other people out there who don't have my perspective on it right so they they might find it really interesting you can definitely find anything (laughs) anything on the internet about food i think i was just at chef steps the other day Mm -hmm. with um when byron and avishar were in town avishar is like a huge chef steps fan i think dana tough actually was at chef steps for a while dana brian yeah and the current um r&d chefs that are there I worked the line with at Spur. Okay. In 2000. Dude, I love Spur. I like. I thought it was so magnificent when it closed. It just. Yeah. It, I know. I right. I loved that, but the so cocktails special. too. Yeah. I mean, it was. It was just so special. Yeah. I still don't know how. It's not Dana and Brian did it. Yeah. They're so yeah. smart. It was super well done. Yeah. So two. So you guys were at Chef Steps. The two chefs that you met there um, cooked the line. Uh, together with me and and Spur, I think it was 2007, probably when we were all like, oh god, okay, line cooks <laughs> together. Yeah, god, you have been in the <laughs> Seattle food scene for a while, haven't you? Well, but getting back to your point, like, um, Chef Avishar was geeking out on it, and I, he was kind of, and I hope I'm not misspeaking here, but like when they re- originally started Chef Steps, like it was kind of to show professional cooks how to do things like mm-hmm. to, to have, you know, because there is a lot of content for the home cook on the internet, but there's not things showing you how to use like commercial, what, whatever, what, what, whatever, like a, an espresso machine or a commercial freezer, or wh- whatever it may be that someone doesn't have at their home. Then but, no one's ever but, but and when they yeah. started 10 years ago, there really wasn't anyone doing that, but now they've shifted to doing more content for the home chef, for the professional chef. Um, they're, they're doing some fun stuff over there. Yeah. And crazy talented. Yeah. Amazing team. Yeah. Um, and it, it does make a lot of sense. I mean, there's only so many uh, professionals out there that are going to consume that kind of content. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah, they're their tips and tricks for for home cooks and the, the kind of tools that we 
all have in our homes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it makes a, a ton of sense. And they're total pros. Yeah, they're they're yeah. total they're total pros. It's the same folks as the modernist cuisine, and yeah, obviously, obviously know what they're doing. Well, um, yeah. getting back to your story, so you're at Tilt. So, so oh, what's right. next? So you're at Tilt. You go to New York. You come back, or you're yeah. So I had been visiting New York, and um, but I, I was just told straight up, like you you have to go and live there. Uh, Maria Hines told me that. And so it was just a matter of time before I felt like I kind of um, was ready, you know, because, yeah. or at least like you, you have no idea what to expect. You hear stories. I, I wanted to learn um, a lot of like techniques in mm-hmm. kitchens before I went there or techniques and ingredients, just so that when I showed up, I wouldn't be embarrassed if someone, um, asked me to make a sphere or something, you know? So that was at that time important to me to like learn those kinds of things before I showed up. And, um, really little did I know and New York is really more about, um, the economies of scale than it is necessarily about every chef knowing like the most, um, like modern cutting edge techniques and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I walk into Acme and have a tasting menu and want to meet the chef because of the vegetable dishes were so good that I was like, I moved to New York three days prior and I was like, this is where I have to go and work. Um, but you didn't have a job there. Didn't have a job, total suitcase and a dream type <laughs> person. Um, and just like everyone in And how in old are you at this point? I was 25. 25, okay. Yeah. Um, walk into the kitchen at Acme after getting a stage there and a, and a chance to uh, cook with the team there. And there was a microwave on my station. I was totally blown away. That's how they did all the magic that came out of that kitchen. What? There was just so many things I wouldn't have expected. Um but, you know, I was working for Maz Refsland. He's a, one of the original chefs of restaurant Noma in Copenhagen, mm-hmm. best restaurant in the world. Yep. Been reading the cookbook since I was, you know, uh, just, just barely like 23, 24. Uh, I think when that Noma book came out, um, Maz was like super influential and had his own two Michelin star restaurant called MR in Copenhagen um, and then found himself in the, as the chef of a 200 seat sort of modern, um, New York Nordic bistro, um, in, uh, NoHo. So like Lafayette and great Jones okay. street. Um, yeah, th- he was like such an amazing chef. I, I expected, you know, to meet chefs like them because there's no Michelin chefs in Seattle. There's no European chefs in Seattle. There's, you're not, you just have like a, uh, a really small pool of people you can learn from Mm -hmm. because the whole point for me is where do I go and learn the most? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, this, this guy was such a badass line cook. I couldn't believe it. I thought like he would probably just, be great at tweezer plating things Mm -hmm. and 
um, coming up with interesting ideas, but I, I never like thought that it would like taste that good. <laughs> His food tasted amazing. The sauces were amazing. It's all rooted in like classic technique. Um, but so creative and, and so, you know, coming from such an influential place for a reason, mm-hmm. it's not just like hype, you know? Yeah. And, and you can't really experience that in books and, and absolutely not through media. Um, but cooking at that level for like 400 people a day Jeez. at dinner. Yeah. I mean, in in the same building that we're running like a nightclub in the basement. And so the scale is way different. Yeah. Cause like at Spur, I don't know if we ever did more than like a hundred covers at night. You Wait, know. I didn't want. So you actually cooked at Spur? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I thought we were just talking about how we loved it. No, I... that was my last job before I moved to New York. Was Spur in the coterie room? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that would I think have been before my time though, because I moved here in 2013. But yeah, I think Spur closed in like maybe 14 or 15. Such a shame. Such a shame. Anyway, yeah, Acme. Incredible restaurant. Incredible time for. Um, for Chef Maz and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, the food there was just like so amazing. I, um, can't say enough good things about him as a person too. Uh, so real lucky to be able to have opportunity to work with him. And, um, then I ended up, uh, going to the Waverly Inn with Chef Ashley, who was, um, Ashley Merriman was Until- one of my sous chefs at or oh, at, at tilt, sorry. Mm-hmm. And um, so she got this job at sort of a private club for like the richest 1% of the 1% mm-hmm. celebrities um, restaurant owned by the, um, the editor in chief of Vanity Fair magazine. Okay. So Graydon Carter lives right like, two brownstones yeah. in the, in the West village, uh, away from the restaurant. Um, Harvey Weinstein lived right across the street <laughs> from us. He came in all the time. So you went and worked there with her. And so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I cooked for, for, with chef Ashley. Um, we cooked for like everybody, Jennifer Aniston's birthday, Jay-Z, Beyonce. What? Cool. Really cool. That is so yeah. cool. You never told me any of oh, these no. stories, I Quentin. You've been holding <laughs> out on me. <laughs> I remember um, cooking for Usher. What? Brought his grandmother in. Oh, my God. That's so yeah. cute. <laughs> Keith Richards came back in the kitchen. Like, <laughs> just, I mean, yeah, the most A-list of the A-list celebrities. I was actually sitting at the bar at the Waverly after one of my shifts, Um minding my own business and I like looked over my shoulder and the whole cast of Twilight was like me and then the rest of the bar was just like actors from those movies. <laughs> oh my god. Crazy surreal. Time. Yeah. Wow. And you're cool. like in your mid-20s. So yeah. that's I mean that's like super I mean that would be cool now. Like that's yeah. that's awesome. Oh wow. So anyway, yeah. So you go and and you do that stuff and it um you kind of, I, I like thought I was a pretty cook when I left Seattle and I just had no idea like what I was missing out on. And yeah, it's not just something 
you do so that you can say I cooked in New York. I don't even talk about it that. Much. I didn't know that you yeah. had spent so much. I don't even know that I even knew you cooked in New York. I mean, I when I kind of thought the point was to be able to tell people honestly. When I left, it was like, so you have that come back. I cooked credit. in New York. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah absolutely. But it's it's just not really something I focus on a lot because it's. It's not really about that. It does actually change you, though, as a chef Absolutely. and as a person, of yeah. course. It's when amazing. You're exposed to so much, and you just, like you were saying, I mean, Seattle is great, and there are a lot of wonderful chefs and a lot of wonderful restaurants here, but it's just not the same as being in a massive city like that with so much culinary greatness, you know, again, Michelin stars and just, yeah, the density of good restaurants in a place like New York City, you just, you can't get that in a city of, you know, our size yeah yeah and we're kind of isolated in mm -hmm. this part of the country yeah I, which i sort of thought seattle was a pretty big place before it was to me mm -hmm. i grew up in the suburbs around here yeah so i was like oh seattle's like a big city and you realize yeah like a lot of culture doesn't make it here um i mean it, it takes a while um especially like pre-iphone yeah you know? yeah um but yeah, you like I said, you don't get chefs coming from Europe. You don't get Michelin talent mm -hmm. coming to Seattle because when you're in that pool, you kind of stay in it. I yeah, think. you don't want to open um, a restaurant that doesn't have Michelin stars after you. <laughs> you work so hard. Yeah, you train exactly. So hard, mm -hmm. and you know, I, I have had the opportunity to cook in some um, in, in amazing Michelin star restaurants, uh, both in New York and San Francisco, and train. Um, but I mean, it's, it's just, the lifestyle is just, it totally consumes you. It's like yeah. everything. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 16 hour shifts for sure. I mean, I would go work for free just to sweep the floor of someone who's like achieved true culinary greatness and like clean out their squeeze bottles for them and just be able to like see a little bit of how they do their what they do. Yeah. Like, yeah you know, but I got to learn how a, a better way to cut fish or, um, make parsley oil or whatever. And so now I know this is how the best chefs in the world do certain things like that. Um, but yeah, my background is pretty diverse and I think that shows here. Yeah, in, in absolutely. Like Ben Paris, um, you have as a chef, I think like whatever you're doing at the time you take little bits and pieces of all these different experiences and they end up influencing the the cuisine and, and a restaurant like Ben Paris. Mm -hmm. So um, there are sort of elements in the way we do things that we would like, you might never realize when you're sitting down and dining here. Um, but you know, little things you pick up along the way from super high-end restaurants also from like places that aren't that great that I've worked <laughs> yeah you know? yeah yeah <laughs> but I was like man that one thing they do yeah like, that's smart though well I mean you have to do that right <laughs> that's how you learn yeah um so so how long are you in when do you come back to Seattle oh uh, um I I was in New York for three years okay before I was just like I just can't take it anymore what just too it's many just, people, too much high volume, just too much stress. You're working 16 hour days sometimes. Um, yeah. I mean, that's all you do is work. Yeah. It's, 
I mean, it's no different now, right? But <laughs> everyone goes there, okay? You you don't end up there by accident. Like everyone around you is there with a specific purpose to better themselves, to achieve something, to prove something to people back home, whatever the case may be. So that's what I think when people talk about the energy of New York, that's what I think that that something is. Um, it's just a city full of insanely passionate people doing all kinds of different things. And they're at the top of their game and across the board. It's a really amazing experience. Um, and hopefully like New York is recovering. Like, you know, I remember articles coming out during the pandemic that were like, it'll never be the same. I don't know. And I think it'll recover. Um, but um, after, yeah, three years of living, you've, you have roommates, you live on top of each other. Yeah, you have to. It's <laughs> insanely hot in the sun, like muggy and just crazy hot in the summer. I mean, the the last heat wave we had mm -hmm. just reminded me of like a normal New York summer. Oh my God. Where people were like showing on Instagram how hot it was in their kitchen. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's what I used to do every <laughs> single day, God. you know, for years. Oh God. Um, the yeah i mean you can't have a car when you live there yeah. you can't have a motorcycle or yeah. whatever like i mean yeah it's a you, different it's a different lifestyle you, you can't yeah. go like walk your dog out and up to snow lake yeah and yeah. be back for lunch yeah kind of stuff you know it's like just a really um uncomfortable place to live absolutely yeah You're packed I, on the subway yeah you know like just um but it was a great learning experience for you. Very, very yeah. important uh, time in your career and your foundation as a chef for sure. And and so I mentioned I ended up working with um, Ashley Merriman um, at at the Waverly for a while. And you know, at at some point, I kind of wanted to do. Um, I wanted to do something that like none of my mentors ever did, mm -hmm. or. Um, sort of figure out how to set myself apart and kind of come of age as a, as a chef mm -hmm. and, and do something totally unique. So I had thought about trying to figure out how to go cook in Europe. It's really hard to do that now. Mm -hmm. um, like the, the French immigration police will straight up come through and like find you yeah. in the kitchen and kick you out. Yeah. Like uh, you, you, you can't give an Italian job to an American to take one away from an Italian. Mm -hmm. Not okay. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't, I still don't know how there are people that figure out ways to do it mm -hmm. through sponsorships maybe, or um, there, there might be like lotteries you can mm -hmm. do for, but it's for not a visa. Easy. Yeah. But a lot of it's like up to chance. It's who you meet. Yeah. You happen to, who you know, who you know, a lot of red tape. Yeah. Um, so I end up, going um, to the city with, I think they actually have the most Michelin stars in the country now, which is San Francisco. Francisco. Okay. And I knew you could go to San Francisco, but I feel horrible. The New York thing is like blowing my mind. <laughs> uh, the biggest surprise to me about San Francisco is that it was much harder to live there than New York. Yeah. For me. Really? 
way harder to find a place. Yeah. Um, well, they say too, like, I think San Francisco is like more expensive than New York City now, or it's very comparable. I remember somebody offering me uh, a room in an apartment that was like in a cool neighborhood that I wanted to live in. It was like $2,600 a month, which was like more than my like quote salary that I would have been making as <laughs> like a sous chef. God. I'm like, okay, this just doesn't add up. So I was commuting in from, um, I, I found like a room, a friend of a friend in Sausalito. Mm-hmm. I was driving across the Golden Gate Bridge every day, parking tickets, just they're so bad in San Francisco. Like um, there's like nowhere to park there. It's just a, yeah, a, a really difficult thing to do to live there if you don't have any money. And I was, <laughs> I was really poor. <laughs> yeah, San Francisco like, is not a cheap place to live. Still paying off credit card bills from that era. <laughs> I, I, it's I believe like it. So bad. No, I believe it. Um, and so after uh, about a year and doing that and like getting more training and totally getting a ton out of it, um, ended up back here to kind of settle down and um, to, like try and become an executive chef mm-hmm. and try and like figure out what the next step would be, but with more roots, I guess it just became obvious to me that um, I thought, you know, everyone thought their hometown was like the greatest. And then after being in two really amazing cities and I realized like not everyone feels this way. Yeah. I love Seattle because it's, it just happens. I grew up somewhere really cool. Yeah. Um, and so you're coming from a, a totally different part of the country and you, I'm sure you share the same thing. Like so, that's why yeah. so many people move here. So is- beautiful. So special. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a great place to be. You cannot beat Seattle in the yeah. summertime. You cannot beat Seattle in August anywhere in the world. I don't think I would rather be. It's, it's a good place to start a business too. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, affords you the opportunity to, um, you know, be part of a, what's still a really great restaurant community. Um, but it doesn't feel like you're such a small fish in a big pond. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like my friends and family are here. I've made so many great connections and, um, yeah, feels, feels good to be home. Yeah. When I was in culinary school, we used to go to Pike Place Market on field trips. <laughs> yeah, and people are like, "What? Like, you have this in your backyard as yeah. a chef? It's just—it's unreal, right?" And it's—I I would not say that I take it for granted, and I hope you don't either. I think we know how lucky we are to have it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so cool to be like right here at the market. Yeah. Yeah. And for those of you, like I, we said, um, uh, Quentin is the executive chef at Ben Paris, which is literally across the street from the like iconic public market Pike Place sign. So. Another great thing about staying at this hotel is you get to eat great food and then you can walk across to Pike Place and get your Eleanor's yogurt or your flowers or what whatever you need. Yeah, I'm still discovering new things about Pike Place. There's all the so time. much. I know yeah. I just saw like Brendan McGill just posted some juice place today. I was like, where is that? Is there a new juice place in the market? I've got a <laughs> Yeah, really cool. It's uh unique place in the country for sure not not everybody has that and oh i don't think yeah it's so it it's very yeah very special yeah so um ben paris is the name of the restaurant uh, in the state hotel and we're named after um 
a man named Ben Paris who also had a restaurant and uh, and bar called Ben Paris that was in the same location that we're in uh, going back to like the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Okay. Um, do you know his, his story at all? I don't think I do. Todd. It's kind of interesting. Um, you used to be able to come to Ben Paris and uh, you could buy like guns and ammo what? fishing yeah okay fishing and get gear. a drink yeah. <laughs> um, it was a cigar place it was like you could play cards and and billiards and stuff here um it was a place where only men hung out and um it yeah it was just this kind of like gun club and lounge for a bunch of cigar smoking like <laughs> businessmen and outdoorsmen and stuff um so i was actually wondering if they like use the market a lot yeah i have an old menu from original ben paris it's like a chop house they they had like uh you could get oysters cooked like 10 different ways oysters rockefeller yeah. you know, things yeah. like that um oyster omelet i've been trying to figure that what out. yeah an oyster omelet are we, on get, the menu. we gonna see this on the I've, on the I've, current ben paris menu anytime soon it. yeah this morning like what that would actually look like I, I or what, say, what is their yeah. version of an omelet even like but an oyster omelet that does not yeah. sound appealing to me <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I love yeah. oysters we had like two dozen yesterday up at taylor <laughs> shellfish but i don't yes. think i don't think i want them in an omelet well people still come by and tell us like oh my grandfather was a piano player my, oh, my, so my uncle history. used to bring me here yeah and you were the chef when ben paris opened you've been here since the beginning right yeah because um, that's when we met shortly after it what was it was it 2018 that it opened yeah, I don't remember when we met. It was definitely. Was it here? I think so. You know, I remember. I remember Shoda mentioning you to me for the first time. I was like, "Oh, Quentin opened up in Paris," and I was like, yeah. "Oh yeah, that's right by my house." And then it came to the opening, and hmm. I think we got pretty close during COVID because you guys were yeah <laughs> like a block from our apartment, and we were doing we were nice enough stuff. To, yeah, nice enough to feed us, and we did some giveaways and. Yeah. I think I just met you here and then just got real real comfortable with you well, guys. Now it's just like you're just kind of like on the staff almost. Yes. Like, I, I feel bad sometimes because I'm like, I wonder if you feel like people are ignoring you because we just, it's, it's, it's almost <laughs> have, like part have, of the furniture. We have real guests to take uh, care stuff. of. Steph's okay. Um, actually, no, <laughs> I, I love bad. it. It is one of the greatest pleasures of my life to get to come in to this lovely hotel, to this beautiful restaurant, to feel like I know almost all the team members. And I mean, I love exploring new hotels too and, and showing that off, but it's just, it's just the, this hotel, this restaurant, you guys, it's just such a great team. It's hard to beat. Like, why would I? <laughs> I think this is one of those special times and places. And, and you know, the, uh, it's great being part of the hotel. I've, um, I noticed the industry was changing a lot in the pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, I noticed how hard it was for, like, chef owners. The kind of person I thought I wanted to become when I was younger was like, oh, you you train for a while, you work in a, a different restaurant every year for 10 years or something like that, become a sous chef um, and, and become maybe the chef of like one restaurant somewhere before 
finding investors and opening your own place, be mm -hmm. chef owner. That's like what the whole point of the exercise yeah. was. Um, but man, even before this, the pandemic and stuff that the industry had already been going through so many changes, which of course it naturally always will. Um, but, uh, you know, being now being in the hotel business and having a, such an eye-opening experience working mm -hmm. on this multi, you know, million dollar corporation yeah. and, um, there's like a marketing team and there's rooms you got to think about. And we really need to stock like today. I'm like, man, I should probably just go get a couple of cases of Bud Light. Cause there's like so many people from all over the place staying here. Mm -hmm. It's not about what I want to drink. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So like maybe we should be more accommodating for people like that when I'm like, Oh, it's all like, natural wine and IPA <laughs> and like all the sort of like catchphrase, like, yeah, the trendy, trendy yeah, the, yeah, the pet nats and the, and the yes, the <laughs> I, low intervention wines. This guy in the lobby just now off, like asked me if we had any Bud Light, you know, Alabama <laughs> accent. Hey. And I was like, um, we have some Coors Light, it's kitchen beer. He's like, I guess I'll drink a Coors, you know, it's like uh, almost like mad about it. Like, wow, this is like a, yeah. But that's what like, that's what hospitality is all about. Like taking, and that's what you guys do. You take such good care of the guests. And I think, I, I think we've seen some shift and, you know, there's a point, you know, we're seeing all this with the pandemic, like how you're supposed to act in a restaurant now. Like they're like for the first time articles are coming out, like, don't be an asshole. Don't linger at your table. <laughs> if you're going out, you need to tip 20 plus percent. It's the end of a pandemic. These people have yeah. not been able to work or they've been out of work, you know? So like, it's cool to see some of the responsibility like being put back on the guests, but also mm. you still want to be, you know, like, I mean, I feel like this place is just like the definition of hospitality and to, you know, oh, that's a nice compliment. Well, it's, it's definitely true from the time you check in to, you know, the, the restaurant service, everything is just is super well done and thought out. And I feel like, I feel like in Seattle that we, I don't know. I feel like that sometimes, sometimes I feel like I'm bothering a bartender in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Let me say it that way. I'll talk, I'm talking yeah. pre pandemic before, you know, we just now can go sit at a bar for the first time in a year and a half, mm -hmm. but you know, it's almost like you're bothering you yeah. know, some restaurants with, you know, with being at a table or sitting at their bar and Can it's sit here, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's but it, it really, I mean, and you know, you know, Marcus, my boyfriend has been in the hospitality industry his whole life. So we've had this conversation mm. many, many times and it's definitely, it's a different feel in a, in a smaller town or some other cities, but this, and not that we don't have great hospitable restaurants in Seattle, but there can definitely be that passive aggressive Seattle, the, free, the Seattle, free. <laughs> the Seattle freeze. We yes. Try. You know, it's a, it's, it's a challenge. We, we try to go for that. Of course, you know, if, if anything, um, we're, you know, chefs, especially I will tend to kind of focus on the, the places where they're failing mm -hmm. and, and need improvement. Uh, so it's, it's nice to hear that because, uh, all I think about is how can we get better at this? And, uh, we, we want to be the best, you know, we want everyone to come in and say that. Um, but yeah, we, you go on TripAdvisor and people are like, Oh, I'm so mad. Cause they don't have 
this is like a little cool hotel in the city. It's not like embassy suites by the airport. We don't have like fridges in every room. Yeah. You don't have Bud Light in the. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We, we might, but we'll run across the street to the mini to market. To get it for you. It yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and, but there's a fine line, I think, in, in hospitality and just, you know, at some point, people need to not be an asshole, <laughs> right? And I think that we are seeing that shift, too, that some restaurants are starting to put. I was on some, I won't say the name, I was on a restaurant. It was some kind of supper club uh, out, of, out of the South. I think it was out of Louisiana. And it was, like, just breaking down. I was like, read our company culture before you come. And it was like, we will not make any substitutions. You cannot do this. Do not ask us during service for this. Do not. And it was just like, I was like, you're making it. Like, I get Does it. Does that seem fair? Or no, you're saying it's like, come on, man. No, I I like it to some degree. I think that like the restaurant needs to be protected, but I also think it's like at the same time that balance between hospitality at some point when you have two pages of things you want to on a website and you make people read it before you come to their restaurant, it seems a little, uh, (laughs) you were were on one when you wrote this dude. Yeah. You were really like, geez, I like take it personal. No, (laughs) it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was interesting, but like, it's just, I, I think there is like, we're finding a balance a balance too. you know, we, we need to take care of the guests, but there has definitely been a shift to like the guest responsibility, especially now, if you want to go out, like there are less restaurants to go out to. There are more people that want to go out to eat and less and less available times. Like it's just, yeah. it's, you know, re- it's, restaurants are funny like that. Cause you're dealing with people who are like hungry and thirsty. So they do kind of tend to um, treat restaurants a little bit differently than they do other kinds of businesses, businesses. i think yeah it's that that hanger i maybe it's that i think that's I definitely know. a factor yeah. though right i mean sometimes you can really tell yeah. then, then you feed them and they're soaked <laughs> yeah, then you, yeah that's that's the that's the test and they're they're happy and it's just like i don't know can you walk into like if you were going to go to the toyota dealership could you like demand that they give you this car in pink today. Yeah. Like I need a Camry and I need it to be green and I need it out. It's like, we can't just do anything. Yeah. There are people who will ask us for some kind of ridiculous stuff, but yeah. I mean, that's part of it. Yeah. Like you, you have like, a certain yeah, it, It's a balance. Expect. Yeah. And it is. And I, yeah. yeah, it's, that's super interesting though. I can't remember <laughs> what I was reading the other day too. And it was, it was referencing a restaurant in New York, like years ago, a woman was in there and she realized she left her cell phone in her cab. And so this it was like a really famous restaurant. I can't think of what it was. And so anyway, the restaurant like tracked it down and had it to her by the end of her meal. They called mm-hmm. the cab. They got someone to go like meet the person, get the phone, bring it to her. And people are like, Oh, that's great. But then it's like, is this the standard we need to be setting to where people think that if they go into a restaurant and they left their phone in their cab, it's like, how much time did this person, you know, did it take someone to call the, this cab? Were they not doing their other job than, than someone's leaving to go meet this cab? Is that safe? Like where, you know, it's just, there's all, we could, yeah, we could we have, have like, another podcast about this. <laughs> total like personal relationships with people who come in and that's a good sign, you know? Yeah, for I, sure. I, I think it's really great when we, um, on, on the other side of, of course, there are people that are like, they kind of forgot what it was like to dine out or they don't realize it, what kinds of challenges we're trying to put our best foot forward right. and appear as if nothing's wrong. But like beneath the surface, we're all like kicking yeah. super hard trying to get there. Um, the 
the other thing though, is that there's a lot of people who come in and they're super grateful. We've had people buy one coffee and tip a hundred bucks. Oh, stuff See, that's like that. awesome. It's just like, yeah. Wow, cool. There's been a lot of good stuff too. And Total. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of that. I mean, we are very gracious patrons when we go out and obviously mm-hmm. industry people usually are, but yeah, there's definitely the good stories out there too. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's been huge. Cause there are a lot of cool, empathetic people, a lot of really smart people that, that come in here that, that kind of get it. Yeah. And they get what we're, trying to do yeah um and and want us to still be here and we remember them and um we are so excited to see them coming back um but yeah it's funny talking about like the the kinds of things that can happen to you working in a restaurant there was a i'll tell you the story um our, our front desk agent comes into the restaurant uh, and you were sitting down ordering a glass of champagne. Oh, my God. And this was like, like four days ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know if I told you the whole story. But what he was doing was pulling me into the lobby because there was a, a eight-month-old baby who was choking. That was one of our hotel guests. Oh, God. Who, um, when I walk into the lobby not knowing what to expect, this woman shoves this baby that's blue in the face. Oh my God. Right in my arms. And I'm like, okay, be cool. I didn't even have enough time to like, think about what you were going to do. Really, yeah. You know? Um, so I gave him the Heimlich, um, wasn't able to like, he, he didn't start breathing. So I was able to like help him like vomit. And, um, there was like a sticker in his mouth and it's like, Okay, so never been so happy to hear a baby cry, right? Because then he starts crying and he's like screaming his head off. And I'm just like, this is just like the last thing that I expected to be happening. To be giving a baby the Heimlich, to be sticking my finger down a baby's throat. (laughs) I'm so busy in the restaurant and and like trying to like still be... um, in the kitchen and I'm in the front of house and like, you were literally case, pouring me wine <laughs> this case, when this happened. And I, he literally just walked back <laughs> over and finished pouring the wine when I, it like five minutes later, I like totally serve you that champagne with this little baby's like mucus and spit. Oh, great. Like, great. Fantastic. <laughs> that's what, that's what you want to hear. I it was, was just like, wait, what just happened? Um, it took me a second. That, yeah. Like, <laughs> what, yeah. That's, that's incredible. No, because actually, no, the, when the front desk guy came over, he's like, Quentin, we have an emergency. There's a baby choking. And I'm just <laughs> Quentin to the rescue. And oh my God. God. So yeah, you never know what you may, what you may end up having to do in this industry. Well, God, what a great story though. They're, like they're really nice people. They're like, I hope yeah. that they they're came all, into the restaurant and took really big. Everyone's happy and healthy and, and cool. But Customers for were, life, you yeah. think? <laughs> hotel, state hotel guests for life. Yeah, those kinds of things do happen. Um, and and so that's one of the really bright sides yeah. um, of all the hard work and the training and the effort and just like the, you know, the, the crazy long shifts. and um, But you also get to meet really cool people and um that's obviously like a once in a lifetime thing we hope (laughs) yeah we we hope so well um, even just like helping someone find their cell phone in a cat like that's the kind of thing that we try and do to make the difference because people go anywhere and stay 
Okay, well, talked about a lot. I got the whole Quentin story. I feel like, I mean, I knew that you were cool. I didn't know you were <laughs> this interesting. I'm like blown away. It's been a super fun hour. Thank you so much, Quentin, for taking the time to be on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Love doing stuff like this and getting a chance to actually sit down with yeah. you and hang out with yeah. you because we see each other and we're just like, we need to get these shots right now or we need to like be somewhere or like you're always on your way this going this way yeah I'm that way i'm in the kitchen whatever the case may be so nice so uh, yeah sit down actually yeah have an hour next time we'll do it with wine he's actually he's looking at his watch right now because he's literally going downstairs to to, to get on the line to get ready for service opening here up in paris so um again <laughs> Quentin, thank you so much. You guys can um, follow the State Hotel at the State Hotel on Instagram, Ben Paris at Ben Paris Seattle. And you are Chef Quentin Stewart on Instagram. On Instagram. Yeah. So I'll, I'll link all those in the captions for you guys. Um, thanks so much, Quentin. Hey, thanks a lot, Steph. Have a good day. Let's okay. go. All right.